0: Thank you. start at the beginning of our three-week journey through Advent. And we're looking today at the theme of faith, then next week at the theme of hope, and then on the 19th, the theme of love. So faith, hope, and love. And and I guess in theory, we get progressively more Christmassy as the weeks go on. But this morning, we're going to start with the theme of faith. And, and why are we starting with faith well not just because it's the first mentioned in the list we find in first corinthians 13 but rather because faith is the foundation upon which everything else is built and so with that it's so important for us to define faith to understand what faith actually is and to remember that everyone has faith in something and so if everyone has some measure of faith, then we could also say that there is a right kind of faith and a wrong kind of faith, a right place to put our faith and a wrong place to put our faith. Wrong place would be in in kings and queens, in governments, in military strength. The right kind of faith, well let's explore that together. Biblical faith, godly faith, at its core is simply trusting in God's character which leads to trusting in His promises. And there are lots of great scriptures when we think about the topic of faith. We can go to Hebrews chapter 1, for example. In verse 1, the word says that faith is the substance or the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of things unseen. And just like every other verse, when we read the word of God, we have to guard ourselves against misunderstanding what the emphasis is for that particular verse. Now, whilst this often relates to the unseen. It isn't built on something out of reach or, or a figment of someone's overactive imagination. That's not what faith is. No, no rather it's, it's solid, it's experienced on the ground. It is a substance, it is a reality. It, it becomes proof of a promise made. And, and as God demonstrates his faithfulness, through bringing to pass everything he has promised will come to be that's where we see faith grounded rooted growing becoming established we've also heard these words from hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it is impossible to please god what we see is that those words are the opening words of a chapter that 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 list people who demonstrated incredible faith in the Old Testament. But why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, as the verse continues, without faith it is impossible to please God because the one who draws near to God must believe that A. God exists and that B. God rewards those who seek him. So you have to believe that God exists and you have to believe that God rewards those who seek him. Your translation might add the word diligently in there as well. You see, we trust that God is. And then we trust that God is who he says he is. Not just that God exists, but that God is who he says he is. And lastly, that God will do what he said he will do. You see, he is faithful and we put our absolute trust in him. The New Testament Greek word for faith that we so often find, and we find it here, pistis, is related to or defined as something or someone that is completely trustworthy. That there is a belief of complete trust in something or someone. And the Christian Standard Bible, the Study Bible Version says that it is not fleeting, but substantial enough to generate confidence. I love that. That it's not fleeting, but it is substantial enough to generate confidence. So it is of substance. It is of reality. And it is based on an inner conviction. You see, without faith, there is nothing. If we don't believe that God exists then we don't believe that God hears and if we don't believe that God exists then we don't believe that God cares and and if we don't believe that God exists then we do not believe that God acts on behalf of his creation in fact without faith we don't even believe in creation we we plant ourselves in in what we would call secular humanism or naturalism that This idea that everything is the result of a random chance, everything is the result of a cosmic accident, and and therefore, ultimately, nothing has absolute value or meaning. But that's not who we are. That's not the reality that is painted on the canvas of Scripture. In fact, the Bible is a beautiful collection of moments of faith. Moments of faith are always extended from heaven and sometimes received and embraced on earth, but ultimately all pointing towards God's nature, his character, his plans and his purposes for creation. So if faith is of absolute importance in general terms, then it's a topic of real significant importance during the period of of Advent that we're in right now. Because faith speaks to God's nature, his character, his plans and his purposes. And, And the coming of God to earth in Christ is literally the hinge point in God's unfolding story because it reveals that God did what he promised he would do and he did it in the way he said he would do it. When we weave the tapestry of prophecies together, we understand more fully what God said he would do and that he did it the way that he said he would do it. And and therein we find yet another example of a faith and a trust that is given a substance and a reality. It's promises revealed on the ground, in the stable, alongside Who knows what kind of animals? Uh, And it's the nature of God on the ground, literally arriving to tabernacle with his people. So that's what it is. That's what it is. But what about what it does? Well, we, we could say that faith brings hope and we'll touch on that next week. Because without faith, there isn't any hope because to hope in something is to have some level of trust in what we hope for and some level of trust that it will come to pass, some level of trust that someone will do what they said they would do. And so during Advent, we can celebrate that God has come just as he said he would and done just what he said he would do. What does faith do? Well, faith bears fruit. And and the fruit of faith worth noting at Advent is the same fruit of faith that we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. Not to get too ahead of ourselves here on the church calendar, but but to emphasise that it is the same faith. It's the same fruit. It is revealed to humanity in its greater fullness on Resurrection Sunday, of course. But it's a trust in God that leads to a gift given by God. The fruit of faith is a gift given by God. Trusting in God bears that fruit. It's it's a trust in God that doesn't just teach us that God is worthy of our honour and that God is worthy of our worship. Of course, it does teach that, but not just that. It's also a trust that has eternal consequence for everyone who responds, everyone who held to faith in the God of Israel before the birth of Christ and also a trust that has eternal consequence for everyone who holds to faith in the God of Israel after the birth of Christ. It's a faith that becomes the hinge point for new life. And not just new life in the sense that a child was born in a stable 2,000 years ago. No, but also for everyone who is willing to put their faith and trust in him. We're going to look at Romans chapter 10 together. Not perhaps verses that we would normally go to in Advent, but, but because of our topic this morning and it being faith, we want to drive home the beauty and the significance of faith and as it is found in the Advent reality. But there's something else. We're going to look at Romans 10. Romans 10 has one of the most well-known faith verses that, that perhaps we've heard. Romans 10, verse 17 What does it say in Romans 10 verse 17? It says, faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Perhaps your translation says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so what we can take from that is that faith grows as we hear the message of Christ. That by the Spirit, something can happen in this moment as we hear these words proclaimed. So let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through to 21, the second part of verse 8 through to 21. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth Resulting in salvation. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask you, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. What can we draw from these words? And how does this relate directly to the baby born in Bethlehem? Well, let's consider that. This Jesus that these verses refer to, and the one that we know so well, of course, we know he is the baby born in Bethlehem. And if we go to our Christmas verses, the ones that we so often go to at this time of year, Matthew 1 verse 21, this Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, yes, but not born in the stable to become the one who will save his people from their sins. He literally is the one who will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1 verse 21. He will not become that one. He is that one. What's the point I'm trying to make here? Is that there is a subtle difference, a different emphasis There. It's not that he's going to become that person in time. It is that the baby born in Bethlehem is that one, the one who will save his people from their sins. And as it's written in Luke 1, verses 31 to 33, again, another well known scripture. Portion that we go to at Christmas, the, the baby born in the stable isn't the one who in time will become great, or or in time will become the son of the most high, or in time will become the king of heaven who will sit on the throne of heaven. He literally is the great son of the most high, who is the king of heaven. So when we think about the birth of Christ. We have, to, we have to draw the fullness into the moment of the coming of God in flesh, the incarnate arrival of God in humanity and understand that what's going on in this stable is, is of significance beyond our comprehension. What truth can we draw from and build on? What foundation can we build on from these words? Well... Let's look at a few things to close our time. The first is that faith is essentially a gift from God. It's a gift from God because it is God who enables humanity to trust in the reality of who he is. So it comes from him. He enables humanity to trust in the reality of who he is. And and in that trust in all the prophecies across millennia, culminating, of course, in the arrival of Mary's son, Jesus, who was born in a stable, but also present in the beginning of all things, with God and by nature and substance, God. Faith is a gift from God. The second thing Godly faith isn't based on the trust we have in ourselves or the trust that others place in us. The word tells us that we are saved by grace through faith and we're saved by grace through faith, that is, trust in the one who was born in the stable. Not by works, but by grace through faith. The grace comes from God. The ability to have faith comes from God and our response to that is what matters. Not by works, nothing but trusting absolutely and totally in him. And lastly, that faith is for everyone. Faith is for everyone. But sadly, not everyone will embrace it. Our response to the King born in the stable, to the Son of the Most High, and and everything that is built on that foundation of trust, that isn't limited to a hand-picked view, but is, as John 1 reminds us, ultimately limited to all who would receive Him. The coming of God to earth in the stable as Jesus, is the hinge point in humanity. It's the moment when hope is breathed out to the nations. Where's the encouragement? Well, it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what shade of skin tone you have. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter what position in society you hold. Whether you work in the hills like a shepherd or whether you live in your riches like a wise man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed in life because even the best of humanity is flawed. It doesn't even matter how many trophies you have collected over the years. Faith is available to everyone and the fruit of faith is for everyone who would receive him. Faith and trust. Faith and trust are simply the response to a promise given or a truth heard. And at Christmas, we have the unique, the beautiful opportunity to proclaim the promise arrived and the truth of how that promise impacts everyone Who chooses to believe we hope because we have faith and we have faith because he is faithful let's pray together father we thank you for the chance to look at your word your word that speaks of the consistency of Christ that he was yes present at the beginning, in the beginning. He was present throughout the whole of the Old Testament. He was waiting for the perfect time to come and that when he came it breathed new hope into the nations. Thank you God as we look to Romans chapter 10 we remember that The child that we celebrate at Christmas is the Almighty. He is the only hope and answer to the world's challenges and problems. He is the only way, truth, and life. He is the only source of redemption, justification, sanctification, and ultimately glorification for all those who would trust In his name. Father, at Christmas this year, I pray, we pray that you would help us to hold front and centre what truly matters. And that is that you came just like you said you would. And that your coming demonstrates that faith in you is never misplaced. We give you thanks, God.